What about it, pro wrestling fans, and welcome to What About Wrestling. First off, I just want to thank all of you for at least attempting uh, to listen to this podcast. It means a lot to me, and I hope that you guys stick around for episodes to come. This podcast is is a passion project of mine. It's something I've been trying to get going for years and years, probably since about 2013 or 2014, which doesn't seem that long ago, but it was, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago almost. I think I was listening to like Sam Roberts and even Stone Cold's podcast and I was thinking, man, wouldn't it just be cool just to be able to talk about wrestling like that? Well, I'm going to attempt to do that and I'm going to attempt to entertain you guys as well. A buddy of mine, Donnie Howard, who may pop in on this podcast from time to time, uh, we've been talking real seriously about it since then and about a year and a half, almost two years ago, I probably bought all this podcasting equipment and we just never could get our schedules to line up. And he was like, man, you've got to do it. You've been talking about it for years. Just do it. Do it yourself. Get it going. Do your thing. Have fun with it. I think it'll be great. So we're going to try and maybe it'll be great. Maybe it'll be awful. Who knows? I'm, I'm hoping for the best here. But like I said, this, this podcast is going to be fun. It's going to be very positive. I'm a very positive wrestling fan. I'm not one of these wrestling fans that just likes to hamper on all the stuff that's going on in WWE or AEW that I hate. I will openly admit that right now I'm not loving the AEW product, but there's things on here that I'm going to talk about that I am loving right now. One of them specifically being MJF. I mean, who doesn't love MJF right now? Um, but my wrestling fandom has, has, it started at a young age, a very young age. I would almost say since birth, I have an older brother. He's about five years older than me. And he was, you know, like most five-year-old little boys at the time, he loved pro wrestling. So whenever I was born, guess who also loved pro wrestling because they wanted to be like big brother. I went to my first WCW live event in 1996. So I would have been um, two years old. I was born in 94. So I think it was like August of 96. They came to Huntsville at the Von Braun. It kind of just grew and grew and grew from there. As Colton kind of faded away from pro wrestling, I just kind of never let it go. Until I was in high school and it wasn't cool. And wrestling honestly was getting a little bad, I guess, at the time. Um, I just kind of gave it up for a little while. But in 2011... I kind of was flipping through the channels and saw Raw was on and I turned it over there and was honestly really enjoying it. And I was thinking, man, why did I ever quit watching this stuff? Why did I ever give this up? You know, this is something that I loved. I kept watching and in uh, 2012, you know, uh, WrestleMania 28 happened with my, I guess my generation's Hulk Hogan, John Cena was in the main event against The Rock, who was also big when I was really young, whenever, and my dad loves to tell this story, he always talks about um, me flipping channels back and forth because we didn't have a remote. The channel just had, you know, the TV just had the knob on it. Flipping back and forth in between Raw and Nitro, just whatever I wanted to watch, which at the time was probably more WCW because I was a big Steam guy, and I'm in the South, and that's just kind of what people like down here, so... Yeah, so I mean, even at a young age, I was in love with it. And then, like I said, in 2011, 2012, I kind of fell back in love with it. And in 2014, I went to my very first pay-per-view. It was Night of Champions in Nashville. And I thought it was the coolest thing. Um, I was a big Seth Rollins guy at the time. And uh, he had the attempted cash-in on the Legendary and Cena match. And my the girl that I'm currently married to, my wife... 
when I met her and started dating her, she said, you know, why have you never been to WrestleMania? Isn't that like the big thing for wrestling fans? Isn't that what wrestling fans, you know, isn't that their Super Bowl and all this kind of stuff? And I was like, well, yeah, but WrestleMania isn't just something you go to. You know, it's kind of something that, you know, it takes money and it's a big ordeal. Well, she ended up paying for us to go, which is probably the day that I knew that I wanted to marry her. But... Yeah, so she paid for us to go to WrestleMania 32, and then we went to 33, and 34, and 35, and then COVID happened, so we didn't go to 36, um, but then we went to 37 and 38, and this will probably be the first WrestleMania since WrestleMania 32 that I'm going to miss this year, because my third daughter was just born, and she's just too young, we cannot (laughs) make the trip to LA, but I'm definitely going to be watching it and hopefully covering it on this podcast. I think it's going to be a great WrestleMania. I'm a huge Cody Rhodes fan. I like I wasn't watching wrestling during the Legacy stuff, but I have went back and watched it, and I thought it was pretty good. I was even a fan of Stardust. I'm sorry, Cody. I know that that's not <laughs> something that you like to hear, but I did enjoy Stardust, and it might have been because early on he put a lot into it and um, got me invested in the character, which is something that... You'll find out through this podcast, don't get me wrong, I love a five-star match, or I love a little blood here or there, and I love, you know, the stipulation matches, but at the end of the day, I'm most invested in characters, and I think Cody's got a cool one right now. He is probably number one or number two right there with Seth Rollins for me. I will probably annoy y'all with how much I love Seth Rollins. I think Seth Rollins... Every time I think he's reached his peak, he kind of takes it a different direction. And it may not be his peak, but it's just as good. And you'll find out later on in this episode, whenever I do my segment, that maybe you don't agree with my Seth Rollins take. But it's on here, and I'm a Seth Rollins fan, and I am very positive about wrestling. I'm not going to crap on anything. And to me, this time period of Seth Rollins was really good. So just to kind of give you guys a layout of what I hope to do every week on this podcast is I wanted to have a, have a segment called the three minute warning. And for those of you wrestling fans who watched that time, Rosie and Jamal three minute warning, I tried it earlier with my layout that I have here and I could not do it. And I don't know if it was because there was a pay-per-view this week or what the deal was, but pretty much the gist is I'm going to run down everything that happened in wrestling this week that includes Raw, SmackDown, and Dynamite. Now, I will touch on a couple things outside of those. If I felt something important happened on NXT, or um, I have a little bit of New Japan stuff in here, or even Rampage, bless Rampage's heart, I think it got like 275,000 viewers this week, which it is what it is. I hope that they can bounce that number up whenever... Wrestling is getting viewers across the board. I think it's positive for everybody. Another weird take that's not popular on Twitter. I think that AEW, if it was getting 3 million viewers a week, would be good for WWE. It's not right now. And last year it was doing really good. This year it's taking a bit of a hit. But hopefully they can turn things around. I want AEW to be good. I want to watch a lot of wrestling, contrary to my wife's hopes. But I guess what I was getting at is this. There's going to be a segment where I rapid fire off the week. There's going to be a segment that I'm going to call the high spot. And the high spot is something that I feel like is really big happening in wrestling right now that needs more attention. Um, Spoiler alert right now, this week it's going to be something about the bloodline. 
um, and Sami Zayn and that whole story. And then I'm also going to have something that I call the main event. And the main event is just going to be anything that I choose to talk about wrestling wise. And this week's main event is going to be the best Royal Rumble to WrestleMania runs. So whoever won the Royal Rumble and then had this awesome stretch that they got to WrestleMania with and it either completely changed the complexion of their career or they had a great match or it was innovative or just anything along that line. And you'll understand that list a little bit better whenever I get there. But let's go ahead and get started with the three-minute warning um, that's going to be way longer than three minutes, but I'm going to run through it really quick, and in doing that, I will probably stumble around and ramble a lot like I'm doing right now, and I've done this whole however long we've been recording. But this week on SmackDown, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler defeated Natalya and Shotzi. Uh, um, Bray Wyatt took out Hit Row, and then said he was going to come for Lashley or Lesnar, whoever won that match, which I don't know what's going to happen there going forward. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus defeated the Viking Raiders in an absolute pay-per-view quality match. I thought it was great. I honestly had SmackDown turned down. We weren't really watching it super close at the time. And I just kept looking up and like, dang, this is so good. I can't believe this is happening on SmackDown. Um, not to say that SmackDown doesn't often have good matches, but it was just out of nowhere for me. Oscar defeated Liv Morgan, and then Gunther defeated Madcap Moss, and it just kind of was what it was during the transitionary period where they're getting from, you know, Royal Rumble to WrestleMania. So keeping Gunther busy and on my TV, I'm totally cool with that. Love him. Think he's incredible. And then in the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, Oscar defeated Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Natalia, Raquel Rodriguez and Carmella and a match that I thought was really good the women are still going through this figuring out phase with the stipulation matches I think a lot of times when a women's stipulation match is announced a lot of people kind of crap on it and at first I kind of did I was like eh, I don't know how I feel about that I mean I did I grew up in the brawn panty era and I just I don't know it, it took me a second to kind of come around to it not that I didn't want to see the women wrestle or anything like that I just had a hard time getting my head around you know, uh, Charlotte and Sasha Banks and a hell in a cell. It just, it just took me a second. And as time goes on, the matches just keep getting better and better and better. And again, it's great for wrestling. So I'm loving it. That was a much better match than I expected, especially considering it felt like there was only one or two viable winners in the match, but they still made it interesting, which was cool. Bobby Lashley defeated Brock Lesnar in an awful, don't understand why they've done things the way they did. I'm with Big E on the fact that every now and then, about two or three times a year is what I told my buddy Donnie. About two or three times a year, I like to see big meaty men slapping meat, I think is what Big E said that one time. I like that. I like seeing two big dudes go at it and just beat the hell out of each other. That's entertaining to me sometimes. Only I don't want to see it a lot, but I do want to see it some. And I, it started out like that. It was just finishers galore, unlimited finishers. But then there was the low blow and the DQ, and I don't know. It was not for me. Edge and Beth defeated Balor and Rhea Ripley. Again, we're just in that transitionary period getting to WrestleMania. Um, there's rumors of Edge and Balor in a uh, Hell in a Cell at Mania. That would be perfect for me. Totally cool with that. Austin Theory won the men's elimination chamber for the U.S. title. He defeated Rollins, Gargano, Bronson Reed, 
uh, Montez Ford and Damian Priest. Again, incredible match. Um, some of the spots in that match were just wild. Montez Ford climbing the chamber and doing the kind of backflip thing, hanging, whatever. That was cool. Um, WWE does a really good job with their camera work to where it doesn't look like the dudes are just standing there waiting on him to fall. I hate that. That was clearly what was happening here, but they shot around it pretty good, so it made sense. The Gargano, Hurricane Rana off the top of the, uh, the, the pod, I guess you would call it. What the heck? I mean, there was so much that could have went wrong there. Everything went right. I seen a camera angle of Damian Priest catching Gargano, and it was like, dude, that it's perfect work. Everything was great. A lot of high spots. Logan Paul interfering, curb stomping Seth. I'm excited for it. I'm hyped. Don't get me wrong. I want to see Seth main event of WrestleMania at some point. But Logan Paul is incredible. And anybody, any wrestling fan who tells you otherwise is just being foolish. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Some wrestling fans just want to be mad at everything. If you don't like Logan Paul or even Pat McAfee for that matter, that matter, you're just being a hater. It's as simple as that. New Japan, Sasha Banks or uh, Mercedes Monet defeated Kari Sane. I have it in my notes as Sasha Banks. I'm sorry, man. It's going to take me a second to adjust to that. She's a star, right? I mean, I'm not the biggest Sasha Banks fan in the world, but she's a mega star. Put the title on her, let her carry it around the world, show it off, get some views, get some uh, eyeballs on the product. Good move. Jay Watt uh, looks like he's officially done with New Japan. Uh, I don't know if he's going to WWE or AEW. I'm not a big fan of the dirt sheet writers that say this is happening or this is happening. A lot of times it's wrong, so I'm not going to report on that kind of stuff on this podcast. But yeah, Jay Watt, incredible talent. I've watched a lot of his New Japan stuff. Seems great. I think he would fit in any company he decides to go to. So can't wait to see what happens with him. On Raw, Sami Zayn defeated Baron Corbin in street clothes. Really odd. I'm going to get back to the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn promo that happened in my Bloodline segment. But yeah, I don't know. I like Baron Corbin a lot. He, I think he's one of the best heels in the business. A lot of people disagree with that. They think he's totally terrible. But I think Baron Corbin is one of the few guys in all of wrestling right now that knows how to be an actual heel. Like, you you actually don't like the guy. So, I think that that's important. I think that that's needed in wrestling. Seems like things are going south for him as fast as they can go. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So, we'll keep uh, we'll keep eyes open on that. Theory done a promo where you mentioned John Cena again. Love where that's going. Love seeing Cena around. I think Theory's the perfect guy for him. A lot of people make a lot of comparisons between the two. That's great. Mustafa Ali defeated Dolph Ziggler, whatever. Heyman and Cody do a promo where um, Heyman just lays out pretty much all the reasons why Cody should not want to be WWE Undisputed Universal Champion. I get it. It's definitely the worst thing that's happened since Cody's been back, I think, um, that involved Cody. He tweeted something out about getting his mic time cut or something like that, which happens but Heyman kind of ended the whole thing on the fact that he's going to have sex with Cody's wife. Really odd. Didn't like it, which is really weird because I normally love anything either one of those guys touch. Oscar defeated Nikki Cross. She had a stare down with Bianca Belair. That was also odd and clunky. Didn't like it. I know that it's needed. I just think that there's other ways of going about it. But again, that's going to be an incredible WrestleMania match. So we'll just see where the buildup goes. Sometimes the buildup falls flat for those title matches that, you know, aren't the main event, but 
are going to be good matches. Sometimes the build kind of gets weird. Uh, we've seen it in years past with, uh, I think, AJ Styles and Shinsuke. I remember the build just being a little weird for me, but then knowing the match was going to be good. Again, a lot of people said that their match wasn't as good as the New Japan stuff. None of that matters to me. Don't care. I, I thought the match was incredible, but what I'm getting at is the builds can oftentimes be a little weird. Seth beat the Miz via referee stoppage. Seth was pissed. It was cool. Bronson Reed defeated Chad Gable. They had maximum male model thing going on with Otis off to the side. Becky and Lita are going to challenge damage control for the tag straps next week. <laughs> Count me in. I love that. I think it's going to be cool. I don't want them to win because I want to see something else out of Becky and Lena uh, and Lita at WrestleMania. If Lita's going to participate in WrestleMania, I mean, why else would she be around right now? Maybe her and Bailey's the rumors going around again. I don't like to put my heart into those things because that could be completely wrong. And then the MVP saying about Brock and almost no, count me out. Don't want any part of that. I understand you're trying to build almost, but no thanks. Theory defeated Edge. I'm in a U.S. title match, open challenge, sort of, kind of. They done it in the press conference, kind of thing. But he defeated Edge with help from Finn Balor. I put in my notes that it was a good match, but we're obviously just building Edge and Balor. Again, more rumors and speculations that it's going to be in a Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania. That would be a okay with me. I would love that. Um, on NXT, Braun Breaker retained over Jinder Mahal. Grayson Waller took over the TV truck. I thought this was a cool touch. I, I wasn't watching live. I had to go back and watch this. Um, he invited Shawn Michaels onto the Grayson Waller effect at Roadblock. If this means we're getting another Shawn Michaels match, you couldn't make me any happier. Shawn Michaels is the greatest of all time. Sorry, Brett fans. Sorry, Rick fans. Don't care. Shawn Michaels is the greatest of all time. I love it. Let's see what else we got here. On Dynamite, Orange Cassidy beat Wither Yuta to retain the All-Atlantic Championship. Orange Cassidy matches, to me, they're just not for me. They're for somebody. I know they are. And that's that's great. They're just not for me. This is all... A lot of my AEW feelings, you will understand, it's not me hating. It's just not for me. And, and I accept that. And that's cool with me. I know that they're for somebody, though. So I'm totally cool with it. If you're an Orange Cassidy fan, I think you would have loved that match. Jericho and Starks have a little bit of a, a debate back and forth, I guess you would say. Starks tells him that Jericho Appreciation Society is pretty much just the only reason that he's in the position that he's in. As far as Starks goes, um, Jericho signs the contract. No JAS at, uh, at Revolution. So the acclaimed beat Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. <laughs> Again, the acclaimed is for somebody. They are not for me. The match that they started off Dynamite with last week Pretty much made me turn Dynamite off. Um, I did. I didn't enjoy it at all. I don't understand a lot of the psychology in their matches. Sanjay Dutt laid on the ground, kicking and screaming like he was trying to get up for a crisp five minutes. He's Sanjay Dutt. He's one of the greatest of the early two thousands. He's good. I don't understand how he just lays on the ground for so long. But again, that was last week, not this week. But it, the acclaim stuff just kind of blows my mind sometimes. Jungle Boy came out and attacked Christian while he was getting interviewed by Tony Schiavone and couldn't give him the concerto. So Christian low blowed him and took over from there and just beat the hell out of him. 
uh, the MJF promo was fantastic. He started talking to Birdie, uh, Brian Danielson's kid, and says everyone he's ever loved tossed him to the side and says it's uh, every time that Brian gets in the ring that he's saying that wrestling is more important than family. He gets in the ring, and about the time that he tells uh, Brian that he's going to have early onset CTE, Brian attacks him as any man would. Again, MJF is just incredible. I'm not loving the Brian Danielson storyline. Other MJF storylines have been better, but it's good. It's got MJF. It's got Brian Danielson. It's going to be great. The match is going to be, you know, five stars. It's going to be awesome. Jay Lethal and uh, Jeff Jarrett won the tag team battle royal. They're going to get in the eight-man tag title match at Revolution. The Bucks and Aussie Open are scheduled for next week. Tony Khan announced AEW All Access, which is going to be a deeper look into uh, your favorite AEW superstars. I will definitely be checking that out. Um, you guys will come to learn that I love, love, love the extra stuff. Like podcasts, like the WWE 24s and all the documentaries and stuff like that. I love that kind of stuff. Almost as much as I just love the show itself. I love the behind the scenes, getting to know the guys. I love all that kind of stuff. So, John Moxley defeated Uno in a very, 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 very bloody match. Maybe not that many varies, but it was a lot of blood. Every John Moxley match has a ton of blood. I don't understand it. It takes away from blood. When Stone Cold passed out, at WrestleMania 13, it was because it was like, whoa, he's bleeding. He has not given up. He's passed out. Blood mattered. I think John Moxley makes blood not matter so much. Again, I'm not trying to hate on AEW. I'm sure a lot of the blood, you know, if you just love that kind of stuff, I'm sure you're loving that. It's just not for me personally. And that was the week in wrestling. And now you guys can see why I wasn't going to be able to fit that into three minutes. Honestly, I probably could have ran that th through that a lot quicker. But I knew that I wasn't getting in three minutes, so I just said, what the hell, and I'm just going to go through and enjoy this no matter what. But getting into the next segment, the high spot, um, I don't have any notes on this. I'm literally just going to talk, so there's probably going to be a lot more rambling. But the Bloodline storyline that's going on right now is incredible. If you're a wrestling fan... This has to be one of the highlights for your wrestling fandom in the last, some people are saying 30 years. It may be one of the best, it may be the best storyline that's happened since I've been alive. Well, no, I was alive for McMahon and Austin. Okay, but <laughs> you get what I'm saying. It's It's been a really long time. A lot of that kind of culminated this weekend at Elimination Chamber. Um, a lot of fans didn't get what they wanted out of Sami Zayn, you know, losing. I was okay with it. I enjoy Sami Zayn. I was a big Sami Zayn fan at the tail, uh, tail end of his NXT career. I'm pretty sure I seen his last NXT match at the TakeOver in Dallas. I think that was his last NXT match. But I've always really enjoyed Sami Zayn. I just don't think that one good storyline gets you into the title picture. Now you're going to say, well, Cody Rhodes is just came back out of nowhere, won the Royal Rumble, and now he's, you know, going to main event WrestleMania. 
Yes, but he created so much buzz for years outside of the WWE, and the WWE is actually acknowledging that, which they typically don't do. They don't acknowledge like, hey, this guy was a megastar somewhere else. Um, that's why he's important. They never come out and say it, but they're giving you that. They're telling you that virtually through the level of importance they're putting on Cody Rhodes. Sami Zayn is incredible. He's a phenomenal talent. He doesn't have a great look. He's hard to put on a WrestleMania poster. Again, a lot of you are going to be upset with me saying that. It's just the truth. Would I be mad if Sami Zayn kept building and kept building and and beat some viable main event opponents and went you know all the way into the main event of WrestleMania next year? I would love that. I would think that would be incredible, especially Sami Zayn is the hottest wrestler on the planet right now. There's no denying that. I will not sit here and say, well, he's not even that big of a deal. He is that big of a deal. He's the biggest deal in all of pro wrestling right now. But the interesting thing about this story is the WWE is doing something they typically don't do. They're not giving you everything. Case in point is this Monday on Raw... Everybody thinks Kevin Owens is going to come out and hug and kiss Sami Zayn. And then they're going to WrestleMania to take on the Usos. That's what everybody thinks. That's what everybody online's saying. No, that's not what happened at all. They used logic. Kevin Owens tells him, where, where were you whenever this was happening to me? Why were you on their side when this was happening? It makes so much sense. Kevin Owens is being logical. He's saying, hey, dude. You've been screwing me for months. I've been trying to take these guys down for months and you were on their side. You were enabling them to pretty much ruin my career is what they were trying to do. Now you want me to come out here and be your friend again? No, man. It's not going to happen like that. Do I think it's going to happen like that eventually? Yes. But right now, that's not the case and it makes sense. Same thing with Jey Uso. Everybody thinks, including me, if you look at my Twitter, <laughs> I think, oh, well, Jay's going to come back at Elimination Chamber and he's going to get in the ring and there's going to be Roman on one side and Sammy on the other and he's going to attack Sammy and then it's all bloodlot. No. Jay comes out, doesn't know what to do with himself, still has not made up his mind yet. That seems so great to me. I love that. Now, are they going to get to a point where Jay has to pick a side, probably the bloodline? Kevin has to pick a side, probably Sami Zayn, and then we get the storyline from there. Okay, it seems like that's obvious, but it might not be, and that's what I'm loving about the storyline right now. I'm not going to go on and on and on about the past year and Sami Zayn um, joining the bloodline. You all know that story. I'm way too late to this to even discuss that, but it's been incredible. I hope that it keeps going. I hope that the bloodline continues to be a thing. I just can't wait to see where it goes. I can't wait to see the bloodline post WrestleMania. You know, the, the idea is probably that Cody is going to win the titles. Okay. Well, if Roman doesn't have titles, if Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens do defeat the blood, uh, do defeat the Usos, what do we have with the bloodline? Because the bloodline is the absolute shit. And I hope that they continue to stay around. I want to see what happens with it. So that's my high spot of the week. I think that the bloodline's completely cool. I think that they're the best thing going. I think that you guys should just keep on tuning in to the bloodline story. We will get into now the main event 
the main event for this week is Royal Rumble to WrestleMania runs, the top 10. So we'll just jump right into it. And the 10 spot, I have Yokozuna in 1993. This one, I don't know if I only put it on the list because it was the first time that they said, you know, you win the Royal Rumble, you're going on to get, you know, to face the champion at WrestleMania. But I definitely think that it was a pivotal swing in what we were going to know going forward. This, If you look at it now, you couldn't imagine it any other way. You couldn't imagine the Royal Rumble winner not going on to face the world champion at WrestleMania. So I just think that that was such a great time period. And I think that that mattered so much. The, the build uh, included him getting wins over Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Macho Man. Um, him attacking Brett at the at a press conference. The only thing that sucks about it is he got the win at WrestleMania, and then Hogan came down for the save and took the title from him before he could leave with it that night. A lot of fans hate that. I've got mixed feelings about it, but it is what it is at this point. We can't rewrite history. In the number nine spot, I have Randy Orton in 2009, leading into WrestleMania 25. This was kind of Randy against the McMahons. I thought it was an incredible story. I think Randy Orton's 2009 heel run is just top notch, next level, can't beat it. You know, it, it's just Randy was the ultimate despisable, just piece of shit throughout his, his 2009 run. Um, he punted Vince. Uh, Legacy was involved. He was trying to kick all of the McMahon's head off. The McMahon's heads off. Uh, he RKO'd Stephanie. Triple H broke into Orton's house. Randy Orton is just an amazing heel. I think he's been so underappreciated for so long. I think fans are finally starting to come around to how great he's been, how great his career's been. It just took fans so long to do that. I think for a long time you would see online about, oh, Randy Orton isn't that great. He's just second generation and and it just i think that randy orton is you know obviously first class hall of famer but deserves to be this is going to sound crazy he deserves to be somewhere around that mount rushmore argument uh he's not on mine but i think that there's a case to be made for him brock lesnar's another one that nobody ever talks about that probably deserves to at least be considered on that mount rushmore mount rushmore argument but we'll we'll talk about that at a different time In the number eight spot, I've got Bianca Belair in 2021. This is going to be a common theme throughout the list of why I put her on the list. This was the moment that a star was made. Bianca Belair from Royal Rumble 2021 to WrestleMania 37. You've seen somebody go from the NXT chick to the world champion the best in the game, the megastar, somebody you can send out to uh, the Today Show and all of these things and let her kind of carry your your company. I think that she, I thought it was an incredible run. I bought into it big. I'm a huge Bianca Belair fan. I think that she is, and again, she's so young. She's just going to continue to grow. But I thought that that run was incredible. So in the number eight spot, Bianca Belair, The number seven spot was Seth Rollins in 2019. 
again, this may be biased, but I think that Seth Rollins finally winning the Royal Rumble, it was like a moment for me as a fan where I was just like, oh my gosh, it finally happened. He's finally getting his chance. It ended up not being the main event for him, which uh, whenever I was at WrestleMania 35, had me a little... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain my feelings because I was super excited for Becky and the girls, but I just thought I was like, man, I just wanted him in the main event so bad being such a big fan of his. So Seth in 2019 going into, um, WrestleMania 35 against Brock Lesnar, Seth's promos leading up to that. It was very, uh, Cena and rock esque where he was just pretty much telling him like, man, I'm here every week, busting ass, you're nowhere to be found. Brock would come in, beat him up. Seth would take it, come back the next week, be cool. Everything was fine with him. So I really enjoyed it as a Seth Rollins fan. I think a lot of people enjoyed it. This was during that time period where Seth was the absolute workhorse of the WWE. His in-ring work was unmatched, kind of still is. His promos were great. And then the match at WrestleMania 35 where they just beat the hell out of each other before the match even started. Then he, you know, ultimately and slayed the, the beast and swung the title around at the top of the ramp. I just thought it was incredible. It was a great moment. This was a moment again, I think I've said this so many times, where I truly felt like a star was born. Now, at this point, Triple H had done the DX thing. He had won intercontinental titles and world titles and kind of developed a reputation for himself as being a top guy, somebody you can mix in and out of the main event scene. But to me, I think that this moment was a definitive moment for Triple H because it meant that he was the top guy. I think that this this moment in time, had the Rock and Hogan match not have happened, I think that people would look back on this moment as being like, okay... This is when Triple H was super made. A lot of people say that super that Triple H was super made when he came out after WrestleMania 14 and on the DX thing and started his own version of DX. <clears throat> and don't get me wrong, I think that that was a huge pivotal moment in Triple H's career, but I don't think that that was the moment that the star was born. I think that you know him coming back from his top, his quad tear in 2002 saying, you know, I'm going to the Royal Rumble, winning the dang thing, and then going on to be in the main event of WrestleMania was the moment where it was like, okay, here we go. Triple H is the guy. Everybody sees him as the guy. He's the top. He's going to go on to be the top heel in the company. So I think that this was it, man. I think that this was the moment for Triple H this is probably the one that I have the most negatives about just because it was so odd. I was too young to kind of realize how kind of odd it was, but the love triangle stuff with Stephanie and Jericho and Hunter was just, oh, it's just odd, man. I don't think that it was needed. I don't think that it was necessary. I think that Vince was looking for something to give the Jericho and Triple H story a little bit more. But the, the true thing behind it all was just Triple H himself becoming the megastar. So I, I think that, you know, again, had the Rock and Hogan match not have happened, I think this will be looked back upon more fondly. I, I think that the match itself was great. I think that a lot of people ignored the match because 
the the crowd was so dead coming out of the Rock and Hogan thing. But go back and watch the match on its own. Don't watch Rock and Hogan. Don't watch all of WrestleMania 18. The match itself was great, and I think that this was the moment that Triple H got propelled into the stratosphere of being a top guy. In the number five spot, I have Shawn Michaels in 1996. I think at this point, Vince was starting to buy into Shawn as being a top guy. Obviously, he had won the Royal Rumble the year before, so Vince had some faith in him, but I don't think Vince knew what he had. I think that Vince always saw Sean as the little guy, the twerp, the dude who was annoying. It took until this moment, I think, for Vince to go, holy crap, like Shawn Michaels is the best in the world at what we do. Shawn Michaels is a guy that I can put my company on his back. Business was way down and Sean didn't bring it up out of <clears throat> out, out of the depths, you know, out of the grave itself. But Sean, I think, carried the title through a terrible transitionary period where the business was much more susceptible to going down than it was to going up. And Sean kept it afloat, kept it, <clears throat> kept it high enough, I think, to lead into what was coming in years to come. I don't think Sean gets enough credit for that title run that he had. But the build-up to that WrestleMania match I thought was really good. It definitely painted Sean as being this mega, super-duper-duper babyface. I thought it done a great job of that. Having Jose Lothario there with him. Having you know the vignettes with him training. Now, the downfall of that is the vignettes of Brett training were pretty, pretty bad. Uh, Brett running in the snow, Brett, you know, getting his ass kicked by his dad in the dungeon. You know, I think a lot of people, if you wanted to, could look back on that and see that very negatively, but I think the build itself was good. And I don't think anybody looks back on that and goes, well, you know, Brett was painted in a bad light. He looked like an idiot running in the snow and getting his ass kicked by his dad in the basement. And it's, I don't think that any of that matters. I, I I don't think that it hurt the build at all. You're getting to this moment with Sean. Yes, you need a viable opponent f- to make somebody. But at the same time, it's Brett freaking Hart. Brett is, he was your flag bearer for years. He was the guy that came after Hogan and tried to carry the company. And again, done an okay job. Um, but... I think that Sean needed to be the guy, and clearly, I mean, Sean is the greatest of all time, but I think that this moment really made Sean, so again, I felt like this was a moment where a star was born. The number four slot goes to Stone Cold Steve Austin in 1997. Now, Stone Cold did not go on to main event WrestleMania here, but... This Royal Rumble win led to, in my opinion, the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Now, I'll hear your arguments on either one of the Shawn and Taker matches. I'll hear your argument on uh, Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat. I will hear those arguments. But to me, the WrestleMania 13 match between Bret and Stone Cold Steve Austin is the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Austin was already building... A ton of steam coming out of <clears throat> the King of the Ring 
and that whole you know the whole second half of 96 leading into 97 but i will say it a million times i guess on this list at, at least at this point we thought this was the moment that a star was born we thought that you know austin he kicked ass in that royal rumble match and then coming out of 13 with the double switch him bleeding just profusely and just refusing to give up in that submission match man what a visual man what a catapult into stardom it was that definitely deserves to be in the top five it's number four on my list so we'll get to number three number three for me is one that touches a core memory in the back of my brain it was my fifth grade year Batista in 2005 winning the Royal Rumble this was clearly a time where the WWE was needing new stars they had two guys that they were going to build the company upon and they were the final two in the Royal Rumble it was definitely an odd finish and it wasn't on purpose at all the schmage finish where they had to restart the match and McMahon came down and tore both of his quads. <laughs> Just a hilarious visual, really. I feel really bad for him, but you could tell. You could tell they were they were building a star again here. And I was such a huge fan of Batista and John Cena and Rey Mysterio at this time, as were most kids my age. But I also really enjoyed the evolution storylines i thought that evolution was the coolest i mean it's going to be a smack in the face of the nwo and they're not the nwo so don't think that that's what i'm saying but they were kind of my generation's nwo they were cool they had swagger they dressed nice they were supposed to be a play on the four horsemen for the most part so and i think that they've done a really good job of being a modern version of that and seeing when batista finally you know made it known that he was going to wrestlemania to face triple h I mean, they're still making action figures about it, right? It was an incredible moment, an incredible build of this dude being like, I'm fed up with the bullshit. This is the way I'm going. I'm going after Hunter. I thought it was incredible. He went on to beat Hunter in the main event of WrestleMania 21. A great visual. Again, it was a Hunter match, so it was a great match. So I just thought that that deserved to be in the top three for me. I may be a little biased because it was my childhood. It was a, a stamping moment uh, in my my fandom. But in the number two slot, I've got Becky Lynch in 2019. Man, Becky was on fire. People were saying that <clears throat> she was the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, that Stone Cold is the, the greatest not-in-ring performer he was great in the ring whenever he wanted to be. But Stone Cold is, to me, the greatest professional wrestler of all time in the totality aspect, for sure. And to be compared to Stone Cold means you're at least doing something right to at least get in that conversation of being compared to him. And I thought that Becky Lynch, at this moment in her career, was being catapulted into stardom. It was clear it was clear that the WWE could see it coming, right? Going all the way back to Survivor Series, you know, the build to that where she got her nose busted and 
the the man gimmick came about, it was it was really cool because the women hadn't gotten much respect, and Becky forced you to respect the women. Becky forced you to be interested in them. Something that had never been done. Don't get me wrong. There's always been fans of women's wrestling. But again, I grew up in the era of bra and panty matches. Becky Lynch is the farthest thing away from that that you could get. Don't get me wrong. She's a beautiful lady. But that's not her thing. She's not out there to be beautiful. She's out there to kick ass. And that's relatable to a lot of fans. They they like that. They, they see that in Becky. And they want to grab a hold of that. And... The build to it was really good. Charlotte getting added into it, I think, pissed a lot of people off. But in the end, it led to the Becky Two Belts thing, which I thought was really cool. And after setting at that WrestleMania for a crisp nine hours, it probably was, and it was starting to mist rain, and it was cold as hell, and my wife was 35 weeks pregnant, seeing that visual at the end... I think capped it all off and made it all worth it. So for that reason, for those reasons, Becky Lynch gets number two on my Royal Rumble to WrestleMania runs. And coming in at the number one spot, we thought that a star was born in 1997 with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it was truly a moment that made stone cold but when stone cold won the 1998 royal rumble to me this is the moment where you created the biggest star the business has ever seen the biggest box office draw that we will probably ever see in wrestling i truly i mean there's no part of me that believes that wrestling will ever be as big as it once was ever again no matter how good it gets, no matter how big of a fan I am of it, the world's just different. And Stone Cold was the perfect storm in that time period. And when he won the 98 Royal Rumble and the build happened to get to WrestleMania 14 against Shawn Michaels, the stuff with Tyson, I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin was everywhere on every single television show on every newscast. I mean, could you imagine pro wrestling being in the news right now for anything that's not bad? It was in a positive light because it was him and Tyson and the world was infatuated with both of them for very different reasons. You can't, you can't get a better build than, than stone cold in 1998. And for it to all be capped off at WrestleMania 14, where he had, not a great match with Shawn Michaels, which is really odd because, you know, you think, man, Shawn Michaels' match is going to be incredible. Shawn was in a bad place. You know, he had his demons, and he had a lot of pain going on at the time. So the match itself wasn't spectacular, but to me, that does not make it anything other than number one on this list. The final call from JR saying that the Stone Cold era has begun, uh, again, could possibly be the greatest call in the history of wrestling. It was it was truly a moment that, again, I think a lot of people thought in 1997 that a star was born. But this is the moment when Stone Cold won the Rumble 
and then went on to WrestleMania 14, that truly a star was born and the professional wrestling world for the next four years would never ever be the same. So with that being said, that's the list guys. I hope you really enjoyed the podcast. I hope that you come back next week. Next week will be a totally different topic. Um, the high spot and the main event. I'll try to get something interesting for you guys to listen to, and I will try not to ramble so much next week. This is my first attempt at this. This is going to be a learning process. I hope that you guys continue to tune in, and I hope that you guys continue to grow this with me. I don't want to be one of those people that's begging you for things, but it costs absolutely zero dollars to subscribe to this. No matter how you're listening to it, I'm going to try to have it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, the goal going forward in the future is to have it on YouTube, pretty much anywhere that you can view or listen to this. I'm going to be on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. So if you do not mind, please like, comment, share, subscribe. I think it's what all the YouTubers <laughs> say at the end of their stuff. But yeah, it doesn't cost anything, guys. It helps me immensely. I want to grow this thing. I want to get it out there. I want people to listen to it. I want to get better at this. I want to I want to at least project my passion onto you. And hopefully you can feel something when I'm talking. So I really appreciate it, guys. And with all that being said, peace. <laughs>